Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the VR2 on SI podcast. I'm your host, Jack Foster, joined by VR2 on SI writer Jake Nichols. Today, we are recapping Tennessee and Pitt from week two of this college football season, the inaugural Johnny Majors Classic, which saw the home team Vols fall to the Pittsburgh Panthers 41-34, to a game that saw Pitt lead the entirety of the second half, but was far from ever getting out of hand. Tennessee definitely had the opportunities to secure a victory, but you know injuries and penalties, especially the 134 yards and penalties to be exact, plagued the Vols, and it resulted in Josh Heupel's first loss on Rocky Top. So uh, Saturday that could have gone better for the Vols, but also brought, uh, some positives to take away, which is what we're going to get into. Um, but Jake, first man, I want you to tell everybody, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday afternoon in Knoxville? Man, doing well. Um, you know, got done with some Tennessee availability earlier today. As you guys can see on Twitter, we'll be sure and uh, put some more out from that later. But um, yeah, just uh, just doing well and, um, you know, trying to, to keep it rolling. Uh, absolutely, man. Same here. And before we get into the specifics, I want to tell all of you guys about Acker Travel Company by Dream Vacations. If you're looking to book travel at any time but don't want to do all the work, contact our friends Beth and Price at Acker Travel Company so that they can just do the work for you. They're currently sending you a $50 Visa gift card to book with them. I mean, what's there to lose? Just go ahead and give them a call now to find that dream vacation. All right, Jake. So just first things first here, I want you to give all of our listeners your big, broad takeaway from Tennessee, Pittsburgh, just kind of short and sweet here. Um, I would say that there are positives to build on, but a lot of frustrations to be had, considering that Tennessee had the Panthers back against the ropes and, um, you know, didn't get the job done. But yeah, yeah. like I said, a, a lot to build on. And, you know, I think the, a lot of encouraging things that we saw, but, um, you know, you've, you've got to be able to finish those games point blank. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as far as positives go, I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest positive from the Pittsburgh game was seeing that Hendon Hooker, you know, did well. And uh, since after taking over for Joe Milton and at the end of the second quarter, you know, right. he was 15 of 21 for 189 yards and two touchdowns. He had the costly interception late, but, you know, it was, it was his first start um, on Rocky Top. So he also did well on the ground, uh, nine carries for 68 yards, just looked like he could start, uh, you know, for the season in my eyes, I think he did really well, better than I expected, um, and honestly better than Joe Milton. So kind of give your opinions on the quarterback situation as of now and their performances on Saturday, Milton and Hooker. Yeah, I think that that uh, Hooker did do well, and I think that it would be, um, you know, wise of Tennessee to, to take that into consideration going forward. Will they? I'm not sure. Um, you know, Josh Heupel was asked Monday about – um, whether Milton would be the starter if he's healthy this week. And he kind of ducked around the question, but said that they did like what they saw from Hooker, save for that last um, interception. And that obviously he's got to take care of the football there, but that they liked what they saw from him that, you know, he, he performed admirably in Milton's absence, but we didn't really get a firm answer as to, whether Milton would remain the starter this week or whether they would be looking around a little bit. But Heupel did say after the game on Saturday that the quarterback situation would be taken on a game-by-game -game basis rather than just looking for the guy for the season. So I think that that, that um, could point to maybe seeing Hooker a little bit more. But I think that um, that right now, that Heupel is, is still kind of 
keeping things very close to the vest that is still very much in flux. Yeah, absolutely. He's, it seems like he's, you know, like you said, keeping his cards, you know, hidden. Um, but do you expect to see Harrison Bailey at all? I mean, I know it seems he's the clear three and hooker played well, but you know, Vol Nation has kind of found a love for Bailey over the past summer and last season. So do you think Bailey will get in there at all? Um, I think that maybe, you know, we could see him this week considering it's Tennessee tech, but as far as meaningful time, like in sec games, not unless there's an injury at this point. And, yeah. You know, I think that, that there's a reason for that, that despite how much Tennessee fans love Harrison Bailey and, you know, what we saw from him some last season that, you know, Josh Heupel has experience with quarterbacks. There's a reason that um, that it was talked about with such excitement whenever he was hired because he's kind of known as a, a quarterback guru, a quarterback whisperer. And so, you know, whoever he thinks has earned the right to have that job should have it. And I think that, you know, Tennessee fans clamoring for um, something that Hypo obviously has not seen or something else that he thinks is better um, is, you know, just kind of a, a bad look for the fan base that they keep clamoring for a third string quarterback when, um, when, Hypo obviously sees something that he likes in the other two or in Milton if he ends up being healthy this week. So, yeah. And, you know, part of the reason, if there's any uproars with the quarterback situation, is because we've seen Joe Milton make these errors during games, especially right. Saturday in the first half. I mean, God, he, he overthrew your receivers on multiple occasions, especially that Cedric Tillman overthrow. That yep. was just sickening. Cause you know, that's going to be six right there. Um, I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think that Joe Milton can improve upon those things or just do you think he should be destined for a backup role in the future? No, I, I absolutely think he can improve. And I, I don't think that, you know, we're to the point where we can discuss whether he should be pushed to a backup role. I think that, you know, like I said, that it's still, very much in flux and that um that um if he's healthy that you know hypo kind of ducked around the question of as to whether he would be the starter so i don't think we can go into any discussion of of you know whether milton could be relegated to a backup role uh because uh i think hooker did well but i think that it's still you know kind of uh buying between those two but you know like you said you've got to be able to make those throws but um, but they said they have seen that for Milton in practice, that he's been able to make those. Um, it just, it, it makes you wonder when we're going to be able to see that in game action. And, you know, if he can put that together, then Tennessee could have a really special quarterback on its hands because you see the potential with him, with the athleticism and with the way that he can move around. But it's just if he can put those throws together and translate those from the practice field to the game field, then Tennessee could have a really successful quarterback in on its hands in Joe Milton. But but no, I don't think we're nearly to the point of of discussing pushing him to a backup role because I think that Heupel still has a decision to make between him and Hooker. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, but I mean, to me, Hooker's got to be safer right now. You know he. He, he was hitting the wide open guys and he was making the fr uh, first downs with his legs. 
Um, kind of going off that, what is the one thing that you, that you like the most from Hendon Hooker's performance on Saturday? Um, I think the – I would say just like you said, just being able to, to hit some of those throws. I think there was one that, that I saw that really gave me some admiration for him. He took a shot and delivered a strike over the middle. I think it was maybe one to Jacob Warren whenever they had done the um, kind of that little tight end slip screen when they mm-hmm. ran him over the middle and he faked a draw, but Hooker just got drilled on <laughs> one throw and put it over the middle and it was a completion. And I think that gave me a lot of respect for him, but um, also that, that he was able to get the ball to Tennessee's playmakers in a consistent way that, um, that, you know, you look at that throw to Jimmy Calloway and the way he went down the sideline, it was really impressive. And um, speaking of that, that I think Tennessee needs a lot more of it. Um, you know, we talked to Cody Burns today and I asked him about Jimmy Calloway and, and just what they've seen from him. And he said that, you know, just the sky's the limit for the guy that, you know, as much speed as they've seen from him and, um, and as much improvement that they have seen from him since he's gotten here, that that's just night and day from whenever he first arrived. So I think that, uh, that, you know, Tennessee really has some playmakers on its perimeter and that, um, that Hooker did a good job of getting the football to those guys, but obviously the, the ultimate interception at the end was what did them in. And you've got to be able to see a roving safety when he's right in the middle of the field. Yeah. So obviously that's to his detriment, but um, otherwise I, I think he did a pretty admirable job in Milton's absence. Yeah. And you know, the interception couldn't have come at a worse time, obviously. So um, I kind of want to back up there a little bit. You mentioned Jacob Warren, you know, he had a great day in Neyland, six targets, five catches, 55 yards and the score. And obviously he had that 34 yard reception you referenced earlier. Um, nine completions. Uh, yeah. Nine completions of 22 uh, for Tennessee's offense. That's 41% of Tennessee's pass completions went to tight ends on Saturday. We've kind of touched on how Josh Heupel might utilize the tight ends more than Tennessee has in the past. Do you think that this is something that can continue on in the future with these heavy use of tight ends, especially with hooker on our center? Cause you know, we've seen in the NFL that running quarterbacks love tight ends, like with the Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews connection. So do you think this is something that we could get used to? Yeah, I think so. And you know, don't, don't forget when you said running quarterbacks and reference hooker, don't forget that Milton moves quite a bit as well that we've seen him, I mean, we, we saw him run for 54 yards on Saturday. It was called back because of a holding penalty. But, you know, he, he used his legs and got down the sideline to put Tennessee inside the five. So um, we've seen them both run the ball well. But I think that that really could, you know, do well with the tight end usage that Tennessee has implemented. Like you said, nine targets, but not just Jacob Warren. They got the football to Princeton Fant a lot, too. And they actually, I think that uh, if I remember right from something that someone had said today, that Fant and Warren both had career highs on Saturday. And so to see Tennessee go from not using the tight end at all last season to factoring it, factoring them in the way that they did Saturday and hopefully will going forward, I think it adds another piece of depth to your offense and another piece that defenses have to worry about because you know you, you saw with Josh hey, J- eh, excuse me I can't talk with Josh <laughs> Heifel's creativity in play calling 
that that could really be a nice wrinkle with tight end usage and maybe and you know sending running backs out of the backfield that the misdirection that he used and the way that he lined guys up very strategically on the perimeter like when on Jimmy Callaway's you know 44 yard um, touchdown run Callaway did a little jab step and then came back and Tillman was right there blocking for him in front of him to kind of uh, to kind of wall off that perimeter for Callaway to get that little break. And then on the uh, on the tight end slip screen where Hooker did that fake draw to obviously draw defenders in and then just pop the ball over the middle. You can see that play design and how Josh Heifel uses, you know, the different elements of his offense to factor into that creativity. And so I think that that putting in tight ends like that, that it works really well. And then it, it also attributes to the job that Alex Golish has done. You know, we've seen the, the development of Miles Campbell since he's been on campus. We've seen Julian Nixon um, getting some work in practice. But with those older guys, with Princeton Fant and Jacob Warren leading the way, I think that it really shows what a good job Alex Golish has done, not just as the offensive coordinator, but as the tight ends coach of preparing those guys, not just to, to be blockers, but to be able to get into open space, use those big bodies, and to, like I said, give Josh Heupel a different wrinkle for that offense. I think it's a really good fit. Yeah, man. Couldn't have said it better myself there. And also, before we switch over to the defense, I want to kind of finish up on offense here, talking about the run game and the offensive line. You know, Cooper Mays was out again at center, so they had uh, Carvin at center again. And the offensive line had kind of a <laughs> rocky day. I mean, it wasn't horrible, you know, it, uh, considering they played Pitt, which has a great front. Um, it was definitely a worse outing than Bowling Green, allowing five sacks. But, you know, wasn't horrible. And Jalen Wright did well stepping in. Um, he only averaged two yards to carry, but he passed the eye test in my eyes and had to score because um, Jabari Small went down in, during the game and Tyon Evans was already out. So this is kind of where injuries plagued the Vols the most on offense, but kind of turning it over to you, what do you think of the running game and the offensive line on Saturday? Yeah, I thought um, the, the offensive line um, handled everything fairly well. You know, obviously I think it was uh, more of a struggle than – we expected with um, with Jerome Carvin coming in at center. You know, it it looked like he they almost performed better last week, right after Cooper Mays had gotten hurt, and then they yeah. brought Ollie Lane in. But you know, I think we also saw some some good things from Kingston Harris on Saturday, and that he can improve on going forward. That Carvin talked about him the other day, and just you know what he liked from him that you know he saw some good things obviously some stuff to improve on but getting a young guy in there early um was really good to see i think and and part of what can make glenn ellerby's unit you know more dangerous going forward but as far as jalen Wright, yeah i think the the running game obviously can be improved but i thought that that he did a good job for his first real outing obviously jabari small did well um, and, and Tennessee made it easy on Jabari, too, with that blocked punt to start things off. But um, but I would say the, the running game, I would grade that at, I think, a C for the pit game. But, you know, go, not just the running game, but I think as far as play calling is where you have to 
question it a little bit. Obviously, you know, I mentioned the creativity that Josh Heupel had, but late, whenever you've got Hendon Hooker on a roll and you've got a fourth and short, um, I think a lot of people have been questioning this, but, you know, the fact that they gave the ball to Jalen Wright yeah. instead of going with the hot hand, um, you know, that's, that's not necessarily Wright's fault, but, you know, I think you've got to got to go with what's working there and Tennessee didn't. And so I think that, that that will obviously be a, a question going forward, but yeah, I would say that, that the running backs graded out to me at about a C and I would put the, the offensive line at C minus, maybe closer to a D just given the amount of sacks they allowed. Right. And do you have any injury updates for our listeners at the moment as far as Evans and small go? Um, no, uh, nothing right now. And I mean, Jabari's, you know, I think good as far as I know, but, um, but in Tyon Evans, no, there's, there's no update there that we've heard this week so far. All right. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and switch over to the defense here. You know, Kenny Pickett had a pretty good day, uh, 24 of 36 for 285 yards and two touchdowns. Only was sacked twice, but Tennessee front didn't play too bad. Uh, the rush defense was actually really good, uh, holding Vincent Davis, 19 carries, 40 yards, so only 1.7 yards per carry there. Um, so I was impressed with the rush D, but Pickett was able to expose the volunteers a little bit with those intermediate routes and, you know, across the middle and stuff like that. So just kind of your general synopsis on the Tennessee defense here and uh, especially the pass D. Um, yeah, I thought that, that the run defense was good and that um, Tennessee did a good job there. Um, pass defense could be improved. I thought that Kenny Pickett had way too many open lanes over the middle and that, to his credit, that he just sliced and diced the ball's secondary quite a bit. And, you know, obviously part of that is Pickett, but another part of that is just that Tennessee has still not had a turnover on defense. And, you know, we asked about that today, and uh, Coach uh, Willie Martinez and the players alike were just kind of, you know, we've been working on it. When it comes, it comes. But, um, you know, I think that that it is maybe a little more frustrating than they have let on, considering that this defense is one that's predicated on turnovers and if they do the turnover circuit so much in practice you know that's the first thing they work on every day and they have still not been able to get one in game action and so I think that 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 has to be frustrating and that obviously you try to you know fix that this week against Tennessee Tech you've got a prime opportunity to but um, you know I would say that that the defense did uh, fairly well but in in handling Pickett but or at least at least as far as like him running the ball but I think that to his credit like I said that he was able to to kind of have his way with Tennessee's secondary whenever he got on the move and and was able to get out in open space and fire you know on rollouts yeah he was definitely able to make the throws when he needed to and you know Pitt needed to but Tennessee held them eight of 20 on third down so it wasn't a horrible outing and they kept it close the entire time pretty much it just the second quarter was rough you know Pitt put up 27 points in the second quarter that's really where Tennessee got behind and could ultimately never come back but second half is pretty easy evenly matched um yeah yeah going off that I think uh I think to Tennessee's credit too that you know they they got down two touchdowns but that's one thing about this offense too that as fast as it moves, that even a two-touchdown deficit, 
that you saw that they were right back in it in no time. And that to this team's credit that, you know, they never bowed out, that they never gave up in this game, even against a team that was more experienced, that had more leadership all around, that the culture change is visible. And I think that that's something that you can take as another positive. And it's something I wrote about in my column on Saturday, that you can take that as a positive note going forward, that this team is not one that's just going to lay down whenever times get tough. And frankly, we did see that from Jeremy Pruitt's teams last season. And I think that you can expect something different based on what Josh Heupel has instilled. And I think that's a really good thing going forward. And that's another positive that, um, that, you know, may not show up in the stats, but it certainly showed up in the way that these guys kept fighting. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff there. And, you know, just kind of want to, with this defense, put the spotlight on Theo Jackson again, and even Tyler Barron, you know, had great games out of them two again, two weeks in a row. Barron with two and a half sack, uh, tackles for loss and Theo Jackson adding 11 more tackles. So, you know, Jackson really becoming a leader in the secondary and a leader in this defense. Um, do you expect to see more great things from them too as the season progresses? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, especially out of Theo, you know, Willie Martinez was asked today, are you surprised if with what we've seen out of Theo Jackson so far? And he said, no, not at all. Just that, that his leadership and practice and that what he has done since Willie Martinez has gotten here, that he's not surprised at all in the way that, that Theo has risen to the challenge so far, just that, that he has been a fantastic leader and that his, his football intelligence is really, really great. And, you know, we've, we've heard about that time and time again, that football IQ that Theo has. Yeah. And he has shown it so much that, that you know, Coach Martinez just couldn't say enough about him. Um, like I said, that, that he's not surprised with how he's played because that's how he's practiced on Sunday through Friday. But um, he did say that the communication between DBs could be better. But um, going back to the defensive line as well, that what you said about Tyler Barron, I think is, is very much on point that he's had two good games so far and will only look to improve that. But, and uh, you know, we heard from Josh Heupel about how Tyler Barron has performed so far, but Tyler told us yesterday that he kind of takes that with a grain of salt because, you know, he, he always thinks he can perform better and, and is always looking to improve. But I think that you have to be impressed with the way that Barron has performed so far. And I think that you also have to be really impressed with a guy like Matt Butler. You know, he has really done a, a good job so far, has been a um, pleasant surprise on Tennessee's defense so far this year. That, um, you know, he, he said earlier this year that Tennessee's defense wants to be elite. And I think that um, that if they, you know, shore up some things that, that they can have a good defense going into SEC play, but there's a lot of improvement that still needs to be made before you take on um, Florida and kind of the quarterback situation that they have there. Yeah, that, that's a great transition there. And that out, cause it brings me to my final question about this Tennessee defense. Um, do you think that this Tennessee defense is good enough to compete with above average SEC teams? Um, not right now. I think that I think that they need another week and that Byron Young's addition will help immensely 
but I think that they need another week of improvement and that I think that you still need to see more out of Juwan Mitchell too, that, you know, we saw more out of him Saturday than we did against Bowling Green, but that Tennessee still needs more. They need kind of that, that thumper linebacker. And we've seen that out of Jeremy Banks that, you know, that at one point, I, I think on Saturday that, that Jeremy Banks, I, he got a personal foul called on, if I remember right, but he completely suplexed um, one <laughs> yeah. of Pittsburgh's players. And, you know, I think that Tennessee has a, a strong linebacker in him, but with everything that we have heard about Juwan Mitchell, that I think that Tennessee still needs to see more from him and, and needs improvement at the linebacker spot. I think they're doing well. Um, in DBs, like I said, with, with Theo Jackson especially, but then Jalen McCullough and Trevon Flowers have done well as well. But you've got to be able to generate more pass rush as well because that will help generate more turnovers. We've seen a decent amount of pass rush so far, I think, from Butler and then from Tyler Barron. But like I said, um, Byron Young should help with that immensely. And you want to really try to generate a lot of positive plays this week before going into Gainesville next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully they can do a better job um, against Florida and other SEC opponents with time of possession. You know, they got, they only had the ball right. for 24 minutes, uh, you know, compared to Pitt's 36. So that's just going to tire out the defense even more. Um, yeah. But, but you have to think about how fast they move the ball. Right. Too. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got a point there. Um, so, yeah, let's kind of go ahead and transition over to special teams. You know, a great performance from Tennessee special team and Coach Eckler's mm-hmm. squad. Uh, you know, Christian Charles coming right out of the gate, blocking the punt, setting Tennessee up for that easy score early on in the game. Um, Phelous Jones, an absolute menace uh, in the kicker turn game on Saturday. Four returns for 122 yards. Just really great stuff to see from him. Um so the special team seems like one of Tennessee's strong suits in their game. Do you expect that to be uh, like Barron and Theo Jackson? Do you expect this to continue? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that especially just given, you know, the energy that we've seen from, from Mike Eckler, uh, you know, the, the dude is on fire on the sidelines and his group plays like it, um, you know? So we've seen a lot of excitement from those guys in the first two weeks and, and I expect that to keep going. That I asked Chase McGrath yesterday about, um, you know, what it was like seeing the kickoff team just run wild. And he said, man, they play with their hair on fire. And they do. You know, those yeah. guys were just gunning on every single time that, that they were on the field. And I think that it could be a really, really great portion of Tennessee's game that they really are able to, to generate a lot of positive plays um, from special teams. And, you know, going off that, that, that that's one thing Willie Martinez talked about today too, that, um, you know, his confidence has grown in Christian Charles and in Danico Slaughter and in Tamarian McDonald in Charles, partly because of what he's done on special teams and how, you know, how those guys have played lights out whenever they're on the field for punt return, kickoff return, for stuff like that and just that those help them earn opportunities, you know, on Tennessee's defense. And so I think that that even just because of guys that are hungry to get on the field, that we will continue to see a lot of success at that point. Yeah, just 
great performance from true freshman and Charles. And like I said earlier, Valus just runs so hard. It's so, it's so exciting to watch, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but on special teams, one of the most, uh, not detrimental, but just heartbreaking plays as Theo Jackson put it in the pressers was the pick six that got called back because of penalties. This could have really been a turning point for Tennessee, you know, Pitt missing the field goal and Theo Jackson taking it to the house for six, but ultimately blocking the backs blocks in the back, uh, brought it back and, you know, put Tennessee at bad field position, to be honest. So, um, do you think, do you agree with me, Jake? Do you think that would have been a turning point in the game and maybe resulted in a vol win? Oh, undoubtedly it would have been a turning point, but you know, I think that that the reason Tennessee doesn't win that is because of the penalties that they put themselves in. Like you said, that the block in the back, but also, you know, just the fact that they put themselves behind the chain so much, like Jimmy Calloway said after the game on Saturday, that, you know, time and time again, that they kept having to move back and kept having to to work harder to regain first downs just because of stupid penalties that happened before or after the whistle. And so, um, you know, you shoot yourselves in the foot there. And I think that if not for those penalties, then Tennessee could have won. But, um but as it stands, you know, you, you had flags flying all over and it ended up paying, playing a large part in the loss. But, yeah, I think that that, that kick, kick six would have um, been a huge turning point. You know, it would have tied the game at 27 after the PAT. And instead, Tennessee goes back and has to start at the one-yard line and the drive ends up fizzling out. So, um, you know, it was one of, of several – possible turning points that ended up leading to that loss but um you know a a game isn't made or broken in one play nine times out of ten I would say and and you know even after that then Tennessee still had other chances and still dug itself into a hole that it couldn't come out of yeah yeah hit the nail right on the head there man like 30 13 penalties for 134 yards compared to Pitts nine for 76 it's just can't win a game plan like that. Uh, all right, Jake. So anything else you want to drive home about regarding this game before we wrap it up here? I think that's it. I think that, you know, um, you just now that, you know, obviously we uh, rehashed this a little bit today, but I think that, that now that talking to players this week, they said that um, that they've come into the facility with, you know, no heads hanging low, no, um, you know, no, like, griping or anything like that, that, you know, they're focused and just ready to to move on and turn their eyes toward Tennessee Tech. And, um, you know, there is disappointment, obviously, about what happened with Pitt, but that, that was Sunday, and now we're, what is it, Tuesday, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're four days from another Saturday of football, and so, you have to be able to, to focus on Tennessee Tech and try to, you know, make sure that you're able to improve some depth and, um, and you know, obviously first and foremost get a win, but try yeah. to improve some depth and try to, um, to shore up some things before you go into SEC play. Yes, sir. In the swamp next weekend, uh, it's going to be a tough one, but um, that'll do it for this episode of the VR2 on SI podcast. We will be back with you guys on Friday for a preview pod of Tennessee and Tennessee Tech. Touching more on Byron Young, which Jake kind of mentioned earlier, coming back uh, for Tennessee's pass rush. going to be a great addition for Tennessee to have back. But um, 
for Jake Nichols. I'm Jack Foster. We appreciate we appreciate all of you listening and doing what allowing what we oh my gosh allowing for us to do what we love week in and week out and that is to talk Tennessee sports if I can talk here. But uh, anyway, we'll see all of you wonderful people next time.